Early in American history, a young teenage boy claimed he received a revelation from God. He started a movement that he claimed was true Christianity. Was he right or wrong? Today, the movement he began is known as Mormonism. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. Dr. Zuckerin is an expert on world religions as well as a Christian scholar, author, and popular speaker. Recently, Pat spoke to an audience on Mormonism and offered analysis from a biblical standpoint. Today, you'll hear part two of that presentation. And please keep in mind that there are powerful resources on topics like this at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism is available on audio, past shows, interviews with leading experts, and Pat's books and articles. So be sure you stop by today online at evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat Zuckerman with part two of Mormonism, Christianity, or Cult. The Mormon Church claims to be a Christian church. They claim to be another Christian denomination, like we have Baptists, Methodists, Lutheran. They claim to be another Christian church. Well, we're going to see if indeed we can embrace them as fellow believers in Jesus Christ, or do they belong in another category? Now, the brief history of the Mormon church is this. Its founder is Joseph Smith, born in 1805, died in 1844. Now, as a young boy of 14 years old, Joseph Smith would go into the woods to pray. And he believes that in 1820, at least one of the versions, the official version now, there are several versions here, but the official version now by the Mormon church is that in 1820, he received a visitation from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Later, he received other visitations. In 1823, he received a visit from Moroni, the angel Moroni, who told him where gold plates were buried in the hills of Cumorah in Palmyra, Palmyra, New York, there. And Joseph Smith claims that he went there, uncovered the golden plates that told the story which make up the Book of Mormon. That during the time of the Tower of Babel, a group of Jewish people came to the Americas and established great civilizations, the caliber like Egypt and Babylon, great cities uh, here in America and Central America and South America. And later on, during the Babylonian exile, a second group came. Uh, Lehi uh, was the leader, and his son Nephi eventually became the leader. And uh, they were white-skinned people settling here in the United States and in Central America, building vast cities. Well, eventually, the other sons of Lehi, the Lamanites, rebelled and were cursed with dark skin, and they are believed to be the forefathers of the American Indians. And a great battle took place, and the Nephites were eventually wiped out. And if you read the Book of Mormon, there on the hill of Cumorah, thousands, tens of thousands of Nephites were killed there wearing their full regalia of metal armor. There were great civilizations covering these continents. What is interesting is that when you look at the Book of Mormon, you find no maps of where these cities are. There were supposed to be hundreds of these great cities covering North and South America. 
Uh, Mormon archaeologists have tried in vain to find these cities. They have not been able to find any, to the great frustration of many. In fact, on this hill of Cumorah, there in Palmyra, New York, they reenact the great battle in which the Nephites were destroyed, tens of thousands of them. Yet we found no trace of any battle, no grave, no spearheads, no metal objects. Uh, no trace has been found. Unlike the Bible, we, you know, if you look in your Bible, you've got maps to all the ancient cities that are mentioned. We found coins mentioned throughout the New Testament. We have ancient manuscripts that date back uh, to the first century. We have a lot of archaeological verification for our Old and New Testament, which is missing for the Book of Mormon. Now, from 1825 to his death, Joseph Smith received further revelations from the angel Moroni, John the Baptist, the Apostle John, and others, which became the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. These are other revelations equal to the Bible in authority. And where there's a contradiction between the Book of Mormon or Doctrine and Covenants and the Bible, generally more authority is placed on what is believed to be the inspired Mormon works. Now, Mormons claim to be another Christian denomination. They claim to teach what the Bible teaches and therefore should be embraced as another Christian denomination here. The late Gordon Hinckley on Larry King Live said this, The crown of the gospel of Jesus Christ is upon our head. In this dispensation, the Lord has declared that this church, the Mormon church, is the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Well, are Mormons Christians? Should we embrace them as another Christian denomination? You know, I've got a lot of Mormon friends, great, wonderful, wonderful people, as I'm sure many of you do, some of the nicest people that you're going to meet. And I would gladly welcome them as another Christian denomination. I'd be the first one to jump on the bandwagon if their teachings are consistent with what God's Word teaches. Well, we're going to take a look at just three essential doctrines tonight. The doctrine of God, doctrine of Jesus Christ, and the doctrine of salvation. Simple, huh? Those three basic doctrines. All right? And see if we match up, if we're teaching the same thing the Bible teaches, or if they're teaching something else. Let's take a look at what the uh, uh, Bible teaches. Once again, Bruce R. McConkie. He, the late Bruce R. McConkie, was a great theologian and apologist for the Mormon church. He wrote their theology book here called Mormon Doctrine. You find this in a used bookstore, a great tool to pick up. It's uh, like a dictionary that summarizes all Mormon beliefs. Okay? Um, you can also get it on the Internet as well. Okay? Mormon Doctrine, one of their major theological works here. Bruce R. McConkie said this, Mormonism is Christianity. Christianity is Mormonism. They are one and the same. They are not to be distinguished from each other in the minutest detail. Mormons are true Christians. Their worship is pure Christianity, authored by Christ, accepted by Peter, James, John, and all the ancient saints. Well, let's take a look at what the Bible teaches regarding the doctrine of God. The Bible teaches monotheism, that there is only one God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. The Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord, there is none else. There is no God besides me. 
Historic Judaism and Christianity has always taught there is one God, creator of all things. Well, Mormonism teaches Jesus Christ is not the eternal, unique Son of God. Jesus Christ has a beginning. There was a time when he did not exist, and he is just like you and I, who through his good life attain exaltation to Godhood. Mormonism teaches the incarnation involved sexual union. Mormonism teaches God the Father came in the form of a man and had physical relations with Mary to produce the physical body which the spirit child Jesus then inhabited. As you read in the biblical text, it said that it's not the Father, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Mormon Doctrine, page 547. Christ was begotten by an immortal father in the same way that mortal men are begotten by mortal fathers. You know, I remember when we were sharing this with Mormons, a great group of guys, about six Mormon missionaries, we were talking about this, and we said, is Mary a spirit child of God the Father? And they said, yes. And I said, so God the Father took on physical form, had physical relations with, what's that make it? You know, and they just said, we don't want to talk about this anymore. You know, this is too sacred. And I said, you know, the biblical text goes out of its way to tell you about the incarnation of Christ. I'm surprised you guys don't want to discuss this. And my partner was like, oh, cool down, cool down. You know, let's move on to the next topic. Now, the doctrine of salvation. Christ's death atones for Adam's sin only. Therefore, all of us will attain the resurrection and we will all be in heaven. How about that? We will all be in heaven. So when you talk to a Mormon and he says, I look forward to being with God in heaven, with all my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what they will say. Sounds great, doesn't it? Well, their heaven is a lot different from ours. Salvation in the fullest sense is the third heaven, exaltation unto Godhood. And how does exaltation to Godhood occur? Well, here's five steps here. First, there's faith in Christ, repentance from sin, baptism by emergence, obedience to the teachings of the church, and good works. Once again, Bruce R. McConkie in Mormon Doctrine, page 328. By believing in the truth of salvation, repenting of his sins, and being baptized in water and the Spirit, the seeker after salvation places himself on the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Thereafter, his progress upward is achieved by the performance of good works. You see, in Mormonism, there's three levels of heaven. Telestial is the bottom level, all right? Those who were real negligent, didn't try very hard, uh, not very good people, they end up in the telestial heaven there. Now, good Christians and those who lived good lives and never heard the Mormon gospel will end up in the second level, terrestrial, right? Or good Mormons who didn't quite make it, they end up in the second level. The third level is the one all Mormon men and women want to get to. Full exaltation unto Godhood, the celestial kingdom. Right? So when they're talking about living eternally with their heavenly Father, this is what they're talking about. There's three levels of heaven here. Well, how do you get from the bottom to full exaltation at the top? Good works. Good works. Mormon men and women must go on their mission trip uh, live in obedience to the church, tithe, and uh, serve in the church, go through the temple rituals, and hopefully 
on the day of resurrection, you will attain exaltation unto Godhood, the celestial kingdom. So that's what you need to ask them. You need to ask them, is your hope exaltation? All right? Don't ask them, is your hope heaven? They'll say, oh, sure, just like you. You got to ask them, is your goal full exaltation unto Godhood? If they're honest, they'll say yes. So, look at those three. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and the doctrine of salvation. Are we teaching the same thing? No, not even close. Not even close. If you're not taught teaching consistent truth with what the Bible teaches, then unfortunately, you know, we can't consider you um, part of the body of Christ. The wrong Jesus cannot save you. The wrong gospel cannot save you. The wrong God cannot save you. Hmm? You know, does it matter which God you call upon? Does it matter which Savior you call upon? Well, let me ask you this. You're dying of a heart attack. Does it matter which bottle of pills you pick up? One that says bear aspirin or rat poison? Does it matter? You bet it matters. The wrong Jesus, the wrong God, the wrong gospel message cannot save you. Paul states here in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 1, Paul states this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be what? Eternally condemned. When it came to the truth of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, Paul said there can be no compromise here. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By the fruit, you will recognize them. In other words, the fruit of their doctrine of teaching. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. All right, so when it comes to the gospel, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of God, there can be no compromise. We've got to be consistent with what the Word of God teaches. Now, let me give you some practical tips as we close up here on how to share with your Mormon friends and family members. First of all, some of the nicest folks you're ever going to meet, some uh, Mormons uh, I'm still keeping in touch with in Dallas and California, great group of guys, I pray they'll come to Christ the true gospel and the true Christ. Now, what the Mormon mission... When Mormonism first began, Joseph Smith and the early leaders denounced other denominations as false and apostate and that they had restored the true gospel of Christ. Now, about 20 years ago, the strategy has changed. The Mormons will now have gone on a big PR campaign to convince everyone they are Christians. They sing the same kind of praise songs you sing, use the same kind of language we use, um, read the same, use the same kind of terminology, read the same kind of books we do, doing everything they can to sound just like Christians. I remember when I first used to witness to Mormons 20 years ago, I used to say, well, do you believe God can become, you know, all men can become a God? Isn't that right? You know, they would say, oh, yes. You know, and I remember uh, they would always tell me a story. They would say, Pat... You know, one day a child came up to his dad and said, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. 
What did the dad say? No, you can never become like me. No, a good dad said, well, yeah, I hope you can become just like me. And that's our goal. About 20 years ago, they began to change their strategy. And they do everything they can to sound like Christians. And I remember when I first started sharing with Mormons, I remember I would sit down with them and said, um, don't you believe that God was once a man who became exaltation unto Godhood? And they said, no, I never heard that. Where'd you hear that? But, you know, the partner looked at me, I don't know, where'd you hear that? I, don't, I don't, never heard that. You know, we're Christians just like you. Um, and I remember I used to be really frustrated. You know, I used to pop open a verse and says, you know, the Bible clearly says there's only one God. You know, there will not be one before me, nor there will there be one after me. Isaiah 42, 43, 44. And they just look at me and go, yeah, sounds great. What do you think, John? Ah, oh, sounds great. Yeah, see, we're Christians like you. You know, I used to get really frustrated. And uh, I'd open up another verse and I said, all right, what's this verse mean? And they'd look and they said, what do you think it means, Pat? And I said, I think it means this. And they go, yeah, sure. I agree. Man, huh, well, what's the big deal? And I'd open up another verse and I said, what's this verse mean, guys? And they would say, what do you think it means, Pat? And I said, I think it means this. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, see, we're all the same thing. I used to get really frustrated, you know. But uh, that's their strategy, okay? Uh, they will use Christian terminology. Christian terminology. So as you saw in the presentation here, you've got to define your terms very clearly. What do you mean by salvation? Do you mean full exaltation unto heaven? You believe in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Are there others like God the Father out there? Were we, are we spiritual brothers of Jesus? Uh, you need to define your terms very clearly. Okay? Now, We've given you a tool here outside, and Mike Lavatai also gave me another sheet, very excellent one here. What you need to do with your Mormon friends is you need to clearly show them that here is where their teachings differ from what the Bible teaches, okay, and lovingly show it to them. So I've created a chart here. Mike Lavatai also has another one. We can sit down lovingly with your Mormon friend and just say, well, Mormonism teaches polytheism, right here. And I've left the reference there for you, Mormon doctrine. Da, 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 da. Isaiah 44 says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Wait a minute. Mormon doctrine says a plurality of gods exists. Isaiah 44 says, There is no God besides me. Isaiah 44, 8. You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? I know not one. But the pearl of great price uh, uses the term gods in the plural over 50 times. And you just walk them through this chart. You know, all you have to do is walk them through maybe the doctrine of God first time you get together. And then uh, next time they come back, you say, oh, let's talk about the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Okay, you need to show them you know what they believe. Once you show them that you're not going to be fooled, I mean, you know what Mormon teaching is. Okay? Then they'll look at you and, and they'll try to make a defense for a plurality of God, salvation by works. Jesus Christ uh, has a beginning. But you've got to establish the fact that you know what you're talking about. You, you, you know, you're not going to play this game where you say something and they agree with everything you say and in the end it's like, hey, see, we're all the same. Hey, you've got to clearly show them and lovingly show them where they differ. And this chart will be a very handy one for you. Mike Lavatai has another chart as well. There's others uh, on the Probe website and at Evidence and Answers and other resources for you as well. So, great place to start. Mormonism teaches polytheism, while the Bible teaches monotheism. Here are some 
passages that you can use. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 121. According to that which was ordained in the midst of the council of the eternal God of all other gods before this world was. And they, the gods, said, let there be light. And they, the gods, said, on and on. And you compare that with Isaiah 44, 6. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I'm the first and I'm the last. Apart from me, there is no God. 44, 8. You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Joseph Smith, God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. I'm going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the Father, dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. And you show him some other verses. Isaiah 44, 6, 44, 8. And God the Father was once a man on another planet who passed the ordeal we are now passing through. Brigham Young, the teachings of the presidents, page 29. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Right? If you can clearly show your Mormon friend, where they clearly differ from the teaching of the Bible, then they've got a decision to make. Which one do they hold to? Uh, the Word of God, the Bible, or the teachings of Mormonism? Okay, and that's a decision they have to make. Are Mormons Christians? Well, they have a different God. They have a different Jesus and a different gospel. Therefore, can we consider... Uh, Mormonism, uh, the Mormon church is part of the body of Christ. Unfortunately, uh, the answer on that is no. If you've got a different God, a different Savior, and a different gospel, we are not teaching the same thing. And remember, when it comes to the doctrine of God of salvation, there can be no compromise. Paul's words in Galatians chapter 1, let, uh, but even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we preach to you, let him be what? eternally condemned, accursed, anathema, okay? strong, some of the strongest words of condemnation there from the Apostle Paul. You know, I hope that many of you are encouraged and will share your faith with uh, your Mormon friends and family members. And let me end with this one story. You know, when you share with Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, those in the kingdom of the cults, uh, it takes a while. It will take years for them to come out of that organization. Why? Well, their job is wrapped up in it, their family, their social network. It, it's, it's a miracle of God if they come out. All right? Yet many have. And I remember one girl, her name was Dawn. And uh, I was teaching this in a church in Dallas, Texas. And I was going through these verses. And she real politely raised her hand and said, my dad's a bishop in a Mormon church. He's never mentioned anything of these things. How do I know you're telling the truth? And I said, take this sheet, go back and just talk with your dad about it and ask him if this is what they believe. He's a bishop, he knows. Just go and ask him. Okay, and then tell me uh, what he says. Well, never saw her again. And a couple years went by and I was on the bike machine at the Bally's Fitness. I don't think they have it anymore. They went broke. But uh, I was on the Bally's Fitness there. And... Just so happens there was a blonde girl sitting right next to me on the bike machine, and she just kept staring at me, you know. And she said, you're Pat Zuckeran, aren't you? I said, well, yes. Who wants to know? And she said, I'm Dawn. 
do you remember me? I was a Mormon, and I came to your class. My father was a bishop. And I said, yeah, Dawn, I remember you. I said, yeah, hey, how'd it go? You know, how's it going? She said, I went home to my father, and I showed him these things. And I asked them, is this what we believe as Mormons? And her father looked at her and said, yes, this is, this is indeed what we believe. And she said, why did you never tell me this? And he said, well, we're waiting until, you know, you're worthy to receive this kind of information. And the division in that house uh, got pretty tense. And so, you know, she told me uh, she accepted the true Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and started attending a good Bible teaching church and now, you know, is a roommate with two other fine Christian women, you know. And, uh, you know, it was a delight to for me to hear that story and I pray that many of you will have that same experience of seeing friends and family members come out of the false gospel of Mormonism and come to accept the true Jesus Christ and the true gospel of salvation. Thank you so much for joining us for Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. And keep in mind, you can get this entire series at evidenceandanswers.org. You know, all of us have a worldview, and it's just what it says, a way one views the world. And whether we realize it or not, we all interpret life and meaning through the lens of our worldview. That means we need to be sure our worldview is accurate. And that's one of the main benefits of the resources we have for you at evidenceandanswers.org. An analysis of everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism to help you as you think about your worldview. So download some past radio shows at evidenceandanswers.org. And when you do, you'll help us financially as we seek to stay on this station with good information. And as always, your donations are a tremendous blessing to us. Just click the Donate button at evidenceandanswers.org. Please do so today. And we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman.